Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on making sense, the hub for JP Morgan corporate and investment bank podcasts. In this episode of Market Matters, we'll hear from the market data and positioning intelligence teams within our data assets and alpha group. They'll be talking about key macro, micro, and political themes in the context of our high-frequency trading data and proprietary signals from JP Morgan's markets business. Hi, I'm Eloise Goulder, head of the Data Assets and Alpha Group here at JP Morgan. Today, I'm joined by Peng Cheng, who's head of big data and AI strategies within our research department. Peng has a wealth of experience in markets, in systematic strategies, in alpha generation and flows data sets. So today, I'm really excited to be asking him all about the retail investor. Retail trading activity has grown enormously since the start of COVID. At some points in 2020, retail trading volumes in US markets had likely doubled versus the year before, which begs all sorts of questions. Why did this happen? How have retail investors fared? And what can we learn from the retail investor? And more importantly, what are they doing right now in this year of much weaker equity market returns? I'm really looking forward to diving deep into these topics with Peng. So Peng, thank you so much for being here. Yes, my pleasure. And in fact, how great to be here in person together this week in New York, as usually I'm in London and we're just speaking via the phone. So brilliant to see you in person, Peng. Yeah, same to you. It's nice to see you in person as well. Thanks. So could you start by introducing yourself and what your role and your mandate is and how you go about helping our clients? So as you said, I'm part of the research department, and basically my role is to develop investment strategies, analytics, and data sets for our clients, which are buy-side hedge fund and asset managers, leveraging modern, advanced statistical techniques and alternative as well as traditional data, basically using modern techniques to help our clients make money. Very clear. Thank you very much, Peng. So where would you say the greatest opportunities are in markets? Are you ultimately looking for the greatest inefficiencies? And why have you found flows data to be so valuable here? Yeah, that's right. So in terms of the greatest uh, opportunities, I do think that flows signals are probably the greatest opportunities in the market right now, especially at a higher frequency. And, you know, if we look at the market conditions pre and post pandemic, one of the most striking features is that market liquidity is much, much lower. And by our measure, it's 60% lower compared to pre-pandemic. So what happens then is because of a lower liquidity, any kind of order flow is having much, much greater market impact. Every dollar someone buys or sells is going to move the market a lot more now than before. So if we can understand these flows, predict these flows, then we can potentially preposition for it or prepare for it and therefore generate more alpha. That's a fascinating stat that market liquidity is 60% lower now versus pre-pandemic. Is that specifically in the US or is that more of a global stat? So this statistics specifically pertains to the e-mini futures based on our market impact model. But generally speaking, we've looked across uh, different asset classes as well. And liquidity tends to be highly correlated, especially in periods of low liquidity. So, you know, you can look at treasury futures, you can look at euro, you can look at gold futures. The liquidity may not be exactly 60% lower in all of these asset classes, but they are lower in general. 
that's really interesting. Thank you. And it helps explain your point that flows or analyzing flows is more important than ever right now. So let's dive into that flows point and focus specifically on the retail investor. I think we all know that the retail investor has become more prominent in recent years, particularly post-COVID. But Peng, could you set the scene here? What's happening here and why do you think it's happening? Yeah, so I think a few things have happened since the pandemic. Obviously, there's higher volatility and retail investors' attention tends to be attracted to periods and stocks with higher volatility just because it's attention-grabbing, right? So that already encourages retail trading. And then on top of that, brokerages offer commission-free trading. So that lowers the costs, at least optically, for them to trade. Moreover, they've got stimulus checks they couldn't go out, so where do they spend all this money? One of the uh, major options is just to trade stocks. So I think these are kind of very well-known reasons for them to be trading much more actively post-COVID than before. Very interesting. Thank you. So let's move to this year, 2022. The markets and the S&P 500 in particular down significantly this year, albeit we're recording here on Thursday post-CPI with the markets bouncing. But more generally, this year has obviously been a tough year for investors in equity markets. And segments like mega cap tech are down much more disproportionately. So I would imagine, therefore, that this has been a particularly challenging year for the retail investor. Before we go into your data set and your work in more detail, can you briefly explain what you've observed this year to further set the scene? So is the retail investor likely to have left or be leaving equities, particularly if they're cash strapped in the economic downturn and the inflation environment we're in? Yeah, so as you said, we are able to observe uh, retail investor behavior based on our data set. And, you know, because of the granularity of our data set, we're able to, you know, make a lot of observations. So let's say their performance this year, we estimate them to be down 45% year to date. This compares to the S&P, which is down about 20%, give or take, right? That's because they are heavily invested in a lot of these high beta technology growth stocks. And given this kind of poor return, we've observed something very interesting as well, and there's definitely a regime change in their behavior. Whereas before, they tend to display very strong buying bias in high volatility stocks, and their flow tends to coincide with market returns, so they you know, buy in a rising market. What we've seen is there has been signs of capitulation starting in October. So, you know, they've turned a little bit more neutral in their world of flow, not just the one-way buying flow we've seen before. And more interestingly, they've started to sell the rally. So we observe on days uh, where stock market is up, they actually are biased towards selling. So that's kind of a different behavior from what we've observed before. Uh, you know, I would say uh, it does signify some kind of bearishness and capitulation on their part. Having said that, I do think that there are some changes in market structure that seems to be permanent. So before pandemic, the retail activity accounts for a relatively low percentage in the market. And now it's much higher, even though it's off the highs, but it's likely to remain higher than uh, pre-pandemic. So, you know, I think their market impacts will continue to be more significant going forward. 
that makes sense. Thank you. And your point about retail investors recently having started to sell the rally, so interesting. Do you have any data yet on what they're doing today? It's Thursday, as I said before, the markets are up significantly post a more dovish CPI. Do you have any indicator as of yet as to what the retail investor is doing? Yeah, it's very interesting because we do have uh, visibility intraday, so we can see what they're doing today. As you said, today the market is up quite a lot at the time we're recording. I think it's up about 4 to 4.5%. Now, interestingly, retail investors are actually selling in this market, and they're selling in very, very large size. By our last count, they are selling over $2 billion so far today. And just to put things in perspective, it is their second biggest selling day we have on record. So on a day when the market is up 4%, it's a very interesting behavior. That's an amazing stat. Thank you. The second biggest selling day on record on a day like today with the market up so so much. Yeah. And I think if you take into account what's happening in the crypto market, it seems like there is probably some kind of spillover from the crypto market into you know, the equity markets, retail behavior as well. Yep, absolutely makes sense. So we've also witnessed a really interesting phenomenon this year in the options market, I think, in that we've seen this surge in trading activity in short-term index options, particularly those with less than one day to expiry, which I think now make up over 40% of all SPX options volumes. Peng, I know you've looked into this. Would you say retail investors are driving these options flows? Yeah, so that's another topic that uh, we're getting a lot of questions on. Why is it that all of a sudden there's an explosion of volume in the S&P index options? And actually, a lot of market participants are hypothesizing that this is due to retail order flow. We actually beg to differ because it is true that uh, retail investors prefer to trade shorter-dated options than longer-dated options. But besides these options being very short-dated, they share almost none of the characteristics of a typical retail order flow. And uh, again, you know, we have our own algorithm to look at option trades at the tick level and classify them as retail versus non-retail. And we estimate that retail investors only make up a very small percentage of those trades. And, you know, we think that the trades on these uh, zero-day to expiry options is largely driven by systematic funds and high-frequency trading. Really interesting. That's counterintuitive, actually. So fascinating to hear that. Another question I wanted to ask you is, is retail versus institutional flows, do you think they're correlated? Now, I'd assume based on your prior answers about retail selling today on a day when the markets are up may suggest they're not. But do you have any views on that one? Yeah, I think correlation doesn't have to be positive. If anything, I think there could be negative correlation. So as you said today, they're selling, but maybe institutional investors are buying, you know, so there's a negative correlation. Why is there likely to be a negative correlation between retail and institutional is that in a lot of these names and tickers, retail order flow has become a source of liquidity for institutional investors. And they prefer to trade against retail investors because, you know, retail investors are perceived to be a little bit less informed, right? So, you know, this could be a cheap source of liquidity for institutional investors to take on the other side. So that's one opportunity for institutional investors. And then another possibility is for institutional investors to use the retail order flow as an alpha signal. And, you know, we've done a lot of analysis on the information content contained in the retail order flow. 
And generally speaking, we find these results of the flow to be highly autocorrelated and therefore predictable. So it is entirely conceivable for institutional investors to make use of the retail order flow data and devise trading strategies, which not only take advantage of the liquidity, uh, but also the information content in the retail order flow and, you know, create profitable trading strategies. Really interesting. Thank you, Peng. So let's turn to your data sets. You've put together some really valuable retail flows data, which you've obviously been referring to up until now. Can you tell our listeners what your specific data sets are and how you created them? Yeah, so we have two data sets. We will track retail order flow in the cash equity market as well as the options market. So this is based on publicly available exchange data feed. We don't make use of any JP Morgan proprietary data, but at a very high level, any sort of retail trade in the cash equity market tend to be traded in a dark pool and receive price improvements. So if we monitor these two features, we can pretty much classify which trades are retail versus non-retail to a pretty good accuracy. And because our data is based on tick-level exchange data, it allows us to monitor the retail activity in real time down to the tick level as well across the entire U.S. equity universe. So we have a coverage of 8,000 tickers every day at the intraday level. So that's on the cash equity market. We can tell exactly which stocks they're buying, which stocks they're selling. But we can also extend our analysis to the U.S. options market as well. Over there, the market structure is slightly different. There's no dark pool. Price improvement works a little bit differently. But the principles remain the same. We can still just monitor trade level, tick level data, and then classify which ones are retail trades and which ones are non-retail trades. Great. And it's worth flagging that this data set is available to clients via the regular insights from Peng's research, but also via more systematic a feed. We've combined Peng's retail flows data with retail sentiment, and we have found predictive power in combining Peng's data on retail flows with retail sentiment. That is, we found predictive power in following the momentum of stocks that the retail investor has not only started to buy, but are also talking about with positive sentiment on social media. Uh, Peng, I think you were referring earlier about retail flows being autocorrelated. So I guess here we're capitalizing on that trend. So the combined data set we call our Through the Retail Lens product, and it is available via feed or automated daily emails. So please do reach out to us if you'd like to learn more about this. But Peng, what would you say client feedback has been to your retail flows data set and your analysis? What have the buy-side investors valued and what have they been asking about? And have there been any changes or enhancements that they have been asking for? Yeah, so there's definitely been a very strong demand from our client base, and it's across strategies, whether from quant clients or discretionary clients, equities or fixed income, very broad appeal from uh, our client base for this data. And in fact, I think the uh, shelf life of the retail data has exceeded many people's expectations. A lot of people thought that maybe it was just a fad, it will go away, but you know, it's proven to be very, very resilient in the market impacts. And in terms of what they've been asking for, in terms of potential enhancements, I think definitely they want more timely intraday feed. 
And we've done a lot of work on making this data feed robust so that we can deliver this data to clients during market hours at half-hour interval. So clients can get the most timely picture of what retail investors are doing. And then secondly, we've also expanded to options data, as I mentioned. And in our view, this is a highly differentiating product. So you know, clients find it very useful as well because in the options market, actually the retail activity is even higher than a cash equity market. So potentially it could represent more market impact and more information. And there's also been demand for extending this analysis to other regions like China or Europe. So over there, we don't have any data product at the moment because of you know, market structure differences. But as we advance in our research, we'll keep looking for solutions and hopefully provide it one day. Thank you, Peng. Well, there's so much valuable data and, of course, insights that you're now making available to our clients. And as you say, you've been bringing these enhancements to our clients, whether it's the intraday snaps of the data or, of course, the options data. So really fantastic. But Peng, when you look to next year, what would you say is next on the horizon? I mean, you spoke just then about looking to other regions for retail flows there, but what other data sets are on your pipeline for workflow and for analysis? And linked to that, what are clients asking you for? Yeah, so flows and positioning data, as we discussed, continue to be highly valued in this market environment, especially at a high Frequency, because we find that actually that's where most of the alpha come from. So our focus continue to be relatively high-frequency flow and positioning data. And we are extending our analysis to more analytics around equity options, examining their market impacts in the cash equity market. So that is one topic we've uh, spent a lot of time on. Also, we don't limit ourselves to equities data only. We also look at fixed income of futures data as well. And over there, we... I've done some research on the high-frequency predictions of uh, CFTC commitment of trade data on various commodity and rates futures. So, you know, that's something we've seen a lot of tracking on as well. And lastly, natural language processing. It's always a very interesting topic for our clients, and it's a field with huge potential. So we're making a lot of investments in that area. That's brilliant to hear. Well, I can't wait to see this pipeline of data as you produce it and write about it, Peng. So before we wrap up, let me try and summarize the key arguments that you've made today. So we've observed a significant increase in retail volumes post-COVID in the US and elsewhere. This is likely to be a function of the confluence of various factors, as you said, Peng, the commission-free trading, the higher volatility environment, and the stimulus checks paid out through COVID. And in this context, you've developed a data set to understand what the retail investor is likely to have bought and sold on a given day, and in fact, through the day, in both cash markets and options markets. And then you can aggregate this up by stock and sector and theme and market. And overall this year, the retail investor is likely to be underwater. I think, Peng, you said they could be down as much as 45%, which is a function of both weak markets this year and also the retail bias towards tech and growth stocks, which have obviously disproportionately underperformed this year. And we have seen retail selling and some signs of capitulation through October And very interesting to hear you say today that we've seen even further selling from the retail investor today, despite markets up on the Thursday post-CPI. 
We also observe that retail investors have increasingly preferred to trade short-term options rather than long-term options this year. And then finally, it's worth noting that you have a very strong pipeline of new data sets to create and to release next year. So we can really look forward to hearing more from you on this in due course. So Peng, does that sound about right? Yeah, sounds right. Absolutely. Great. Glad to hear it. Well, thank you again, Peng, for sharing your views on all things retail with us today. And thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to this regular podcast from our group. If you'd like to explore Peng's team's wider content, please take a look at jpmorganmarkets.com, where you can sign up to Peng's research and also see his wider Investable AI webpage under the strategy, derivatives and quant category. If you'd like to explore our data assets and alpha team content further, or indeed get in touch with us, please take a look at our website at jpmorgan.com slash market dash data dash intelligence. There you can always send us a message via the contact us form. And with that, we will close. Thank you. If you're enjoying this conversation, you can subscribe to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Follow JP Morgan's Making Sense on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JP Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates. Together, JP Morgan. They are not the product of JP Morgan's research department and do not constitute a recommendation, advice, or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. This podcast is intended for institutional and professional investors only and is not intended for retail investor use. It is provided for information purposes only. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. JP Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures, forward slash sales and trading disclaimer.